going to get started this morning. Um, amen. Glad to see those of you who are here. Uh, just for it, hey Jess, <laughs> whoever said 2020 could not get any weirder, there we go, it sure has, so let's not say that anymore, all right, so those of you that don't know, there's possible hurricane coming in tomorrow, that's where many people are prepping today, and uh, possible another one on Wednesday, so uh, we just want to pray for everyone on that. Uh, again, if you have a cell phone, please put it on silent. Uh, those alerts that they're sending out have gone, gone off every hour. Uh, who got one at like 4.30 this morning, right? <laughs> All those things. So I don't know what's going to happen if it goes off. My cell phone's recording right there, live streaming. I don't know what it's going to do if they send an alert during it. So if you're watching and it looks like uh, the end of the world message comes on, it's just uh, hurricane not notifications. So again, we just want to welcome everyone here. Uh, all the CFC family and friends. Uh, we're still in phase two of uh, reopening, so remember social distancing protocols, uh, also no nursery uh, during um, phase two. The nursery is open as a cry room that the parent can go with their child. Uh, there's closed circuit television that you can see. Again, no, uh, no Wednesday services uh, as, as we are now uh, in phase two. That'll be back on phase three. Uh, again, you can follow us on Facebook, and I'm, I'm going to kind of go through this a little quick today, different things. I do not want to keep us here late today. I know people have things to get done. Uh, i got to go to Youngsville, bring my granddaughter back before I come back and start prepping myself. So uh, we, Facebook, you can watch live, uh, do all those things. We also have a YouTube app you can watch uh, and also a, a website uh, things. New Generations Kids 6 through 11. Just want to remind you that um, at 6 through 11, if, if your child isn't here, they're recording right now, and they will be live streamed at 7 o'clock tonight. Uh, just I want to wish everyone having a birthday, a uh, happy birthday, anyone having an anniversary. Uh, any birthdays or anniversaries in here today? Uh, Sister Hilda, happy Wednesday birthday. Tuesday, happy birthday. There you go. We're going to have a hurricane on each side of your birthday. Tuesday's going to be fine. That's great. Barry, you having a birthday? Uh, 29. 29? Oh, happy birthday to you there. That's next Saturday, I believe. Right? Yeah. Okay. Anyone else? All right. What we're going to do is uh, have our offering. Just want to remind you uh, if uh, on the ways you can give. So those of you that aren't here right now. You could go to uh, our website, welcometocfc.com, and give on there. You can mail it in through the post office at post office box 1427, La Rosa, Louisiana, 70373. Or you could drop it off, not tomorrow, because we probably won't be here with the hurricane. Uh, during the week, if you see it, uh, me or Pastor Josh here, uh, things you could drop it off. The office is only uh, officially open on Mondays right now with uh, phase two of reopening. So if you have your offering, I uh, want to just read a few scriptures first before we give this morning. In 1 Chronicles uh, 29, 16 says, Lord our God, all this abundance that we have uh, provided for the building of your temple, uh, of your holy name, comes from your hand, and it all belongs to you. How many of you know that everything you have really belongs to God to begin with? You only have because God created it and God provides it for you. Amen. So we are just stewards of the things that God gives us. And uh, Isaiah chapter 60 verse 5 says this, Then you will look and be radiant. 
Your heart will throb and swell with you. The wealth on the seas will be brought to you. Uh, to you, the riches of the nations will come. Amen. So what we're going to do is we're going to take our offering, stand to your feet right now, repeat after me, say, as I give in today's offering, Lord, by faith, I seek to, to give liberally and abundantly to your house and your vision. I believe you desire to bless me with abundance with more than enough. Lord, by faith, I receive into my heart an abundance, abundant giving faith, spirit, and begin today to be a person of abundance in Jesus' name. So those of you that are here, what we're going to do is this side will ask you to come up and place your offering in the basket, say six feet apart, come up the side aisle, then down the middle aisle, then once they're through, we'll ask this side to come on up. So this side right now, if you want to stand to your feet, come down up the side aisle and put your offering in the basket. Stay six feet apart. this side if you want to come up and you bring your offering. worship this morning so let's stand to our feet as we get ready to worship this morning for august this year we're reading from psalms chapter 84 verses 10 and 12 this is the new international version it says better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere i'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my god than dwell in the tents of the wicked for the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good, good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Father, I just come to you today. And Father, you see the entire situation going on in the world today and in this uh, state and parish. I just pray right now, Father God, that a spirit of peace could be upon this nation right now. A spirit of unity could be upon this nation. And Father, I pray that you put a hedge of protection around all those wherever this, these two storms are going to go, Father God. That you protect them and their uh, families, Father God. We believe and know that you are more than able, more than capable of bringing peace in the middle of a storm father and father as we come to worship you here today father i just pray that we lift your name up on high father god for who you are in Jesus' mighty and precious name and everyone says amen let's give the lord a hand clap of praise as we worship
your soul rest in Jesus right now. Just let yourself rest in the arms of Jesus. Trust him, he knows.
Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. You can be seated. I want to dismiss our kids three, four, and five to their class. As they turn on the lights, if you get your notes out, just want to share with you a message that has been God hasn't let let go yet. It's it's it started with uh, Nathaniel that. The one on the side, uh, I feel like a McDonald's french fry right now with this light. Uh, <laughs> there we go. There we go. Thank you all, guys. Amen. I, I, could, I almost had to put some sunglasses on with those lights on right there. So, um, But glad to see everyone. God just been dealing with me and hadn't let go of my spirit uh, since we've been talking about my, uh, my heart or my, my world or my heart, which we talked about three weeks ago. Then dealing with the story of Jonah has just been stirring up in my spirit the whole time. And remember the first part I talked to you about that uh, you could see yourself in many different areas in the Jonah story. As once we all were running from God at, at a time in our life and we see that thing. But the second thing I had mentioned that in the story of Jonah is about the sailors on the boat that were going through the storm because of Jonah. That you could be, be going through a storm sent by God and still be an innocent bystander. And that's kind of what, what stayed in my spirit, uh, what I want to talk about tonight, waiting on God. And, you know, we're waiting on God so many times for God to do those things that we want him to do in our country. Our country's in such a chaos right now. But we're waiting on God for something. But I believe the church can become an innocent bystander that God, that we are caught up in what the rest of this country is doing. You see, because God is more concerned about uh, character than comfort. I think the greatest enemy to people is comfort. We become comfortable and then everything's going good and we end up drawing away from God. And it's, very, it's, it's the actual things that we go through that actually makes us call on God and rely on God more. So let's just begin in prayer as we start this morning. Father, I just come to you today. I thank you for each and every person that's here today. And I just pray for all those watching online, Father God, that our spiritual eyes could be open today, Father God, that we would see the truth, Father God, that's going on in this world right now, Father. Father, I pray that you touch our hearts, that we uh, uh, would soften and receive your word today and make changes in our lives, Father God, that it would bring changes to our heart. Uh, open our ears that we could hear the things of the Spirit today. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone says... Amen. Again, I just want to begin with reading. Uh, if you have a Bible or you think, I want you to turn it to 2 Timothy 3.16. This isn't in your notes, and I just added this this morning. Because I want to make sure you understand, I may get some of you upset today. Hopefully not. But truth is truth. The Word of God is truth. 
right? How many of you know God knows better than you? God knows better than all of us. God is, uh, is, is knows, you know. You know it, it's like when we were children. You know, when you were growing up and then you became a teenager. How many of you know we all thought we knew better than our parents? Right? You, you, you think you... you, you uh, you, you 12 or 13 think you're going on, you know, 30. You, you think you got the world summed up and you know everything that's going on. And only later in life you realize, well, you know what? Your parents really didn't know more than, than you did. And sometimes we have to be careful that we don't think we know more than God, that we know better than Him. So this is what I want to show. Uh, uh, 2 Timothy 3:16 and 17, if we put it up there. Every part of Scripture... Now, what is Scripture? The Word of God. Okay? Every part from Genesis to Revelation, this is what I want you to understand. Every part, God's Word is timeless truths and principles that never change. Okay? The principle and truth of what it's saying, situations are, are, are uh, the way we live is different. You know, our culture is different. But the timeless truths and principles never change. It says every part of Scripture is God-breathed. And here's the thing. It is useful in one way or another showing who? Us. Point to yourself. God's Word shows you the truth. Now, it's up to you to uh, receive it or reject it. But just because you reject it doesn't make it less true. Ask Adam and Eve how that turned out when God said, don't eat. Okay, showing us truth and exposing our rebellion. And, that, and that's what we're talking about. When, when you may read something and, you know, many people have read something in the Word of God and said, well, I don't agree with that. I don't think this, that's your rebellion coming up. God's Word is not open for debate. God's not there to debate you if, if you want to believe His Word or not. In other words, if, if you don't believe God's Word, you're not just rejecting that, you're rejecting Him. Exposing our rebellion, and then what it's supposed to do is correct our mistakes, training us to live God's way. In other words, His Word, His timeless principles and truths exposes where we've missed the mark, where we're thinking wrong, where we don't realize this. And it says it, it shows us that, that we could have change in our, in our lives. That's why in Romans it says, don't conform no longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, the way you think. That it's not going to be the way it always been. It says, correcting our mistakes and training us to live God's way. And verse 17 says, through the Word, we are put together and shaped for the task God has for us. In other words, God's Word molds us into the people He wants us to be. Uh, I like to, to say it this way, that God formed us, but sin or Satan deformed us. But through Christ, we are transformed. Christ transforms us. God wants to transform you into the image of His Son. And He loves you so much that He'll continue pursuing you like we talked about in Jonah till, till He works on you and works on you and makes you conform it, uh, to the will of His Son. And the uh, New Testament says that, that it is God who works in you to act according to His will and purpose for your life. God has a plan for your life. So when we're reading all this and understanding this, I want you to look... 
on your papers now on Psalms 130 verses 1 through 5, where we're talking about waiting on God. It says, out of the depths I cry to you. Now, I want you to circle that, the depths I cry to you, out of the depths. Remember Jonah, what we talked about last week? It, was, it wasn't until he was in the heart of, uh, in the belly of the giant fish that he cried out to God. See, sometimes God has to let us go to, to some really dark, lonely places before it gets enough attention, he gets our attention enough that we begin to cry out to him. He says, it's from the depths I cry out to you, Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. Uh, if you, Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who can stand? But with you there is forgiveness. Now, circle that. With him there is forgiveness. Now, here's what I'll need you to understand. There is only forgiveness of what we confess and repent from. It's not a you're going to continue to sin uh, purposely and say, God, well, God's just going to forgive me. When you're willingly doing it, you're rebelling against God's word. You're not transforming into what he wants you to be. You've you got to understand that, that that forgiveness is talking about is this confessed and repented sin that you turn away from. And when, once you do that, it says you do that so we can with reverence. What reverence means? To hold in high esteem, to respect. With reverence, serve him to do what he wants. So we are, we are able to be forgiven. He shows us mercy so we could serve him. <clears throat> Verse 5 says this, I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits, and in his word I put my hope. In his word I put my hope. And as we wait for him, but can I tell you, a lot of times we say we're waiting on God, but it's really God waiting on us. God's waiting for you to change so he could do what he wants to do. It's you're the reason or we're the reason or we could be stuck in a situation that's out of our control, that we're that innocent bystander or things stuck in a situation. I want to read, uh, tell you, this one's not in your notes either. In Joshua chapter 24, verse 14 through 16. <coughs> I want you to understand that this is when the Israelites were getting ready to go into the promised land. Joshua's taking over, going to lead the people into the promised land. But notice this. It says, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. It says, in other words, fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. I don't, in other words, I don't care what ideas you think are right. If it's against the word of God, it's wrong. says, throw away the gods of your ancestors that they worshipped in the Euphrates and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Now, this is what I want to point out because this is where we kind of don't relate. We say, oh, well, we don't have other gods. You know, I, I, don't, have a, I don't have a little Buddha in my house that I, I, I worship to. I don't have this. I don't have this. But the timeless principle in this is uh, uh, false gods, meaning a god that does not line up with this word. See, you could say you serve the Lord God Almighty, but I don't agree with this part, so I kind of take this part out, I kind of take that part out, but I'm still serving Him. No, you're not. You see, you're worshiping a God that He is not. He is what His Word says He is. But if serving, again, 
Instead of you allowing God to transform you to conform to his word, you're trying to transform him to conform in your belief. You're trying to play God and change him instead of him trying to change you. Verse 15, he says, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable, in other words, if you don't take God for his word and who he is, if that's undesirable to you, if, if you don't agree with everything he says, if it's undesirable to you, then that's you. He says, he says uh, if serving is undesirable, he says, then you need to choose this day whom you will serve. Whether you'll serve the gods of your ancestors, those that you've made up, uh, the one that you want him, him to be, not the one who he is, uh, beyond the Euphrates, or the gods of the Amorites in whose lands you are living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And you see, he says, choose this day. But that, I want to tell you, that's something you have to keep choosing. Because they, they start confessing, oh, who are we to not serve him? And they believe, begin serving him, and they finally make it to the promised land. But guess what? We're going to see later on, they didn't continue serving. They chose that day, but a few days down, a few years down, a few hundred years away, they began not serving him. They began, again, trying to make him what they wanted him to be. And, and <coughs> the reason I'm telling you this this morning is I feel that America is at a major turning point and a crisis in this world. Do you, you know, we're founded on Christian principles and things, but how many, how many of those Christian principles that are in the Word of God have we gone away from? And let me just say this. Whatever political party you are from, okay, I don't care. This is not a Republican or Democrat thing. This is a Christian thing. What are the statutes that is your party pushing ahead with? Do they align with the Word of God or do they not? Do they go against the Word of God? Let, let's talk about a few things here. And, and this is what, because people think this, things will never happen. But in the, forget what year it was. For some reason, the United States says we need to get God out of school. We need to remove prayer from school. That It's not good. Can I tell you something? A long time ago, before that, people would have said, that'll never happen in the United States. You see, that, that's just a little break in the dam. You, and I, can I tell you something? When you begin to open the floodgates, the flood water is coming. It began with that. Take prayer out of school. Let's remove God from the courthouses. You cannot have the Ten Commandments presence in the law of the land. Where, where the law of the land does. Wouldn't it be nice if people obeyed the Ten Commandments? But no, that's offensive. You can't do that. What about killing unborn babies? You know, a long time ago, people would have said, oh, never. That would never happen in the United States, but it did. Does that line up with God's Word? No. I heard this yesterday. How come 
When they found bacteria on Mars, it was claimed to be life. They found life on Mars, but yet a second heartbeat in a woman's body on Earth is not life. Well, something sounds weird there. Bacteria on Mars is considered life, but a second heartbeat in a woman on Earth is not. Although my Bible tells me that God says, before you were even formed in the womb, I knew you. Now let's focus on that statement. Before you were formed in the womb. So in other words, there was a you before the body even started. So how can we say life doesn't start? How can we say it's not alive? Here's another weird one, and I don't know if it's still that way today, but how come if a pregnant woman is murdered, the the person who murdered them could be charged with two counts of murder? How can can that be? You see, the laws don't even agree with each other. It's a life or it's not a life. doesn't matter who takes it. It cannot just say this. Ladies, well, and I'm saying this because men can't get pregnant. (laughs) It's not that hard not to get pregnant. There's only one way you do. It's not like you're waking up in the morning and all of a sudden, oh, I failed the pregnancy test. How could this have happened? There's only one way it happens. If you don't want a child, don't get pregnant. But in, oh, never mind, let's go, let's go on. Oh, my goodness. I'm, go, I'm, I'm probably going to Facebook prison right now. They're going to ban this. Here's another one. What about same-sex marriages? Homosexual lifestyle. It's clear through Sodom and Gomorrah God doesn't approve of that. I don't know why these things happen, you know, and and you hear all the time. I I do not know how a homosexual feels. I can't fathom that, anything. And uh, again, many homosexuals say, well, I was born that way. So that's the way God made me. And that's why I go back to God formed you, but sin deformed you. Okay, We're, we're all born deformed with sin nature. That's why it says we need to be born again. Because yeah, you're right. You, were, you may have been born that way, but that's why you need to be born again so that that would change. And again, as we say, that would never happen in the United States. Can I tell you on the, what they're using that argument for now? Is there, there is actually talk now that they want to take a pedophile those that want to have sex with children and make it legal because they were born that way. And we're all sitting here saying, that'll never happen. Don't bet your bottom dollar. There's a lot of things in America we said would never happen. But once you open that floodgate, it starts coming.
let's take a deep breath. We're going to go on. So again, whenever you go to the polls, I'm not telling you who to vote for. But you better make sure the, the principles your party is pushing lines up with the word of God. Or we're in for a big mess. Now, why I'm saying this is probably, again, what I want to use is, is a very, very common, popular scripture in the Bible that if you're not careful, you miss the whole point of it. Jeremiah 29, 11. Who knows it? For, God, for I know the plans I have for you, and that's what we're gonna, we want to focus on, the plans I have for you. Then the second part goes on to say, uh, you, you can put it up there, Nathaniel. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, and plans to give you a hope and a future. This is what God wants for you. But sometimes his plans are different because you're not ready for that prosperity. God has to work on your character. Again, he is more concerned about your character than your comfort. So let's continue quickly here. I want you to understand when we're talking here. What happened with the nation of Israel, they were at this time when it was spoken through Jeremiah, the nation of Israel was in captive to the Babylonians. Okay? And and we're going to get into this a little bit more. But I want you to know their behavior got them back into captivity. And this is what I want you to understand that you, and I said it last week, is you cannot believe your way out of what you are behaving your way into. See? God's plans is to prosper you and not to harm you. And they wanted to, oh yeah, we're ready. But he says you're not behaving your way into it yet. Your behavior is keeping you away. You're not worshiping me. You're not believing what I say. You're not doing my decrees. I know the plans I have for you, but right now you're going to have these other plans. And you're going to see this in a few minutes, which most people don't catch. But you cannot behave and act a certain way and think you're exempt because you're going to quote a scripture about blessings over your life. You reap what you sow. Ever heard that? You reap what you sow, so what you're not going to be able to believe your way out of what you are still behaving your way into. There's consequences for everything you do. Again, <coughs> keeping on this theme, Philippians 1, 3, and 6 says this. Paul's praying, he says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And verse 6 is what we're going to focus on. For being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. Until the day of Christ means when Christ comes back. Okay, so he hasn't come back yet. So God who began a good work in you will carry on to complete it. 
But can I tell you something? God's plan to carry on to complete the good work that He started, and when He's talking about that is your salvation and things, but now He has to continue working on your character. Now He has to continue to change us from what we were into uh, into the image of His Son, into the character of His Son. He doesn't just stop. God's going to continually pursue you. And as we talked about in Jonah, when we're disobedient to God, God sometimes sends the storm in our life because He loves you too much to see you just go away. He loves you too much to see you fall. And sometimes it'll take a storm to bring you back to Him. And again, go listen to the last two weeks of of where I talked about Jonah on that. You'll understand that more. But knowing that God's working on it. So God's working on the nation of Israel. They, they had uh, things. And this is what I want you to understand. Uh, again, earlier I read from, Jer- uh, from Joshua uh, where it says, choose this day. They make it to the promised land. But then, th- then they change their mind. They, they, uh, while they're in the land, uh, things change. And this is what I want you to understand with this scripture in Jeremiah 29, 11, is you have to get some of the backdrop. Israel had moved from the desert into the promised land. They were inhabiting the promised land. Okay? But then over years, in their comfort, the land flowing of milk and honey, all of a sudden they weren't so desperate for God in their life. And God, when He moved them into the promised land, God had... uh, said, look, there's many other nations in there. You need to be an influencer to them and not let them influence you. You see, they were to be the light into that dark world in the promised land to those. They were, not, they, they were there to influence them, not to be influ- let them influence them. But guess what happens? I, I, always, I always say this. You become, by, you become like the people you hang around with. You will slowly become like who, those you surround yourself with. So you need to be careful who's in your sphere of influence. Because you're supposed to be influencing them, but guess what? Their life also influences yours. So it was full of pagan nations in this, and they were supposed to be a light. They weren't supposed to conform to them. Uh, they had already chosen, hey, God, yeah, we're serving you. God allows them to go into the promised land, gives them their comfort. But then there became a character issue again. Now, let me just read, a, again, Timeless Principles, uh, Matthew five fourteen through 16. Uh, again, knowing Jesus is saying this, and he's speaking to us, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do you uh, people uh, light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You see, it, there's, that, there's that timeless principle. When, it, when the Israelites moved into the promised land, they were supposed to be that light to, and help bring other people to worship God. Same thing with you. Your life is supposed to glorify God and bring glory to God. 
Then we'll look quickly at Romans chapter 12, verse 2, which I mentioned earlier. He tells us, now that you're born again, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. In other words, the world may think it's okay, but if it doesn't line up with God's Word, it's not okay. It doesn't matter how many people tell you it's okay. If God's Word says it's not, then it's not. Don't conform any longer to the pattern of the world, but be what? Transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. You remember what the, the very first scripture we talked about? God's Word is there to change us. To change our mind, you are going to be changed by the renewing of your mind. When you begin to think different, when you begin to think the thoughts of God. He says, then you will be able to test and approve. Only once you think, test and approve that God, what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Right? Jeremiah 29 and 11. For I know the plans I have for you, the plans that prosper you, give you a hope and a future. But until your character is ready to receive that, God's got to leave you in a storm and work on your character. Because He's more concerned about your character than your comfort. You see, the, the Israelites are in the promised land and they become contaminated. They become influenced instead of influencing. And they begin to take on the pagan ways of the land instead of uh, uh, sharing with them. <coughs> so over several hundreds of years in this, that we're given the backdrop of twenty-nine uh, Jeremiah chapter 29, God sends many prophets into the promised land where Israel's at, and the prophets are warning them. You need to change your way. You need to do this. But guess what? They did not. They ignored God's warning. And they said, ah, we just could keep on this way. Everything's fine. So what happens is God allows, uh, you could say God sent, but or he allows the Babylonians to enter Jerusalem, to enter the promised land, and take the Israelites back captive. They were in the promised land, and he, he allowed them to be removed from the promised land because they got too comfortable. And he says, I need to work on your character. And he, he, there were uh, slaves in Babylonia. So this, this is where we find ourselves. So when, when we're reading Jeremiah 29, 11, we're going to go a little back to verse 4. Let's, let's see what God's actually telling them. For I know the plans I have for you. Okay? Uh, and the plans I have for you, we're looking at verses 4 uh, to 10. It's not just verse 11 from the point after. You see, we want to just grab onto, oh, the great goodness, prosperity gospel. God wants you to be in the promised land, but your character is what keeps you there. Verse 4, this is just a few verses before what we were reading. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to those, now notice this, those I carried to exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Do you notice God says, I, in other words, he's saying, I allowed it to happen to you. When we read in Jonah, it said that God sent the storm. See, God sometimes allows things to come in our life that aren't too good. 
but it's to, do, to change and bring good out of it. Because it, it, that's the only way he could do it. Verse 5 says, now notice this. He's telling them, build houses and settle down. They're in Babylon. Babylon. They're captive. And he's saying, you know what, guys? My plans are I'm going to keep you there until I think your character's ready to be take, moved on to where I really want you. Build houses. Guess what he's telling them? You're going to be here a while. He says, build, build houses and settle down. He says, plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give them... Uh, Give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Isn't that all saying, you know, let your children marry, let them have children and all this. He's saying, get ready. You're going to be here a while. Although that's not where I would want you to be. My plans are to prosper you, give you a hope and a future. But your character, your beha- you're behaving yourself into this situation. Verse 7, now notice this. He says also, he's talking about being in Babylon. He says, also seek peace and prosperity of the city which I have carried you to exile. Pray to the Lord of it, to the Lord for it. Actually, in other words, pray for your enemies because if it prospers, you too will prosper. And I was thinking about, you know, it doesn't matter who's president. It seems the other party, uh, when Barack Obama was president, it's like everybody wanted to pray against him that he would fail. President Trump's president, they're praying that he fails. You see what God says? If they're your enemy, pray for them because if they prosper, you will prosper. Listen, if you're praying for this president or any president to fail, you're praying for your own failure. Verse 8 says, Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. Do not, now notice this, Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Now, catch this. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. In other words, God's saying, I know what's going to happen to you, but don't surround yourself and try and get people to say what you want. You know, that old saying is, you know, a lot of times people ask you for their opinion, but all, the only thing they're wanting to do is make sure you have their opinion. They're looking for approval of their opinion. They don't really want to know what you think. And so we surround ourselves, people, things that are trying to promote things that they want, even though it's against the Word of God. They want to find leaders to do what is against the Word of God because it makes them feel better. He says, you're trying to find uh, prophets that's going to come prophesy something different than the Word of God because you don't want to hear the Word of God. You want to dream and live in la-la land and think that you can name it and claim it. 
Verse 9 says, They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. And, and that key phrase there in verse 8 that says, Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. And this is where we're going to jump to the New Testament here, uh, 2 Timothy 4, 2 through 4. It, when Paul's encouraging Timothy, he says, Preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, and this is what you do with the word, is you correct people, you rebuke people, and you encourage people. We all love the encouraging part, but notice twice it says to correct and rebuke. Very first scripture we talked about, the word of God does what? It corrects us, it rebukes us, shows us our rebellion. He says, do it with great patience and careful instruction. Now notice verse 3, for a time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Here is what I'm telling you. There's a time which we are in now that people do not want to put up with the Word of God because it does not suit the lifestyle they want to live. Everything I was explaining earlier. He says, instead, instead of letting God's word change them, again, instead of letting Christ transform them, they're just going to surround themselves with people that say what their itchy ears want them want to hear. Let, let me read it here. Instead, to suit their what? Own desires. Oh, I want to have abortion. Oh, I think same-sex marriage is okay. Oh, I think all these things are all right. Let me surround myself with the people who will tell me that too. Let me vote into office the people that are going to do that too. That are going to pass laws so it goes against the law of God. Let me read verse 3 again. For a time will come, and I believe we're here now. When people will not put up with sound doctrine, they don't want to know the truth of God. They want, they, want it, they want a Burger King God. They want it their way. They don't want to serve the King of Kings. They want a Burger King. I want it my way. It says, instead to, instead to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers who say what their itching ears want to hear. Verse 4 says, They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. What do they mean by myths? What their own minds want to tell them. That, hey, I want to believe abortion's okay. I want to believe homosexuality is okay. I want to believe all these things. And they, 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 they trade the word of God for a myth. What they made up in their own mind. Show you Jeremiah 28, 2 through 4. This is back in your notes. So we're going back in time. Remember, Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, 
Notice what surround himself with false prophets. Notice what happens. There's a, a false prophet called Hananiah. And he comes and he tells the people, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. Notice it sounds good. He says, I will break the yoke of the king of Babylon. In other words, I'm going to set you free with, within how many years? Two years. I will bring back this place uh, and all the articles of the Lord of, of the house of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, that the king of Babylon removed here and took to Babylon. I will also bring back to this place uh, Jerichoshim, son of Jerichoshim, king of Judah and all the other exiles from Judea who, sent, uh, who went to Babylon, declares the Lord, for I will break the yoke of the king of Babylon. That's what their itchy ears wanted to hear. See, they didn't want to hear, build yourself a house, plant yourself a garden, have a bunch of kids, because you're staying here. They wanted, you know, so you could actually say, you know, prosperity uh, gospel didn't begin in just the New Testament a few years ago. It was back there. They surrounded themselves that make my life better. Make, bring a good word to us. So now let's go back to Jeremiah 29, but we'll start in verse 10 instead of verse 11. For this is what the Lord says when what? I didn't hear it. When what? Seventy years are completed. Now remember verse 11. For I know the plans for you. The plans are for seventy years. See, we love to quote that scripture all the time. But you have to quote it in text and know what you're talking about. Yeah, for God has a plan for me, but his plan may be to stay in captive for 70 more years as he works on my character. Right? But, oh, we want to, we want to run. Oh, there's a prophet over there. We're going to run, and hopefully he's going to prophesy something nice on me. He's, he's going to say only two years. But yet God's saying 70 years. Archipelite says, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise and bring you back to this place. He says, but it's 70 years. He says, because I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And they could have been walking and living in that all along if they would have had the right character. But because they chose not to follow him in his ways, he allowed them to be brought back captive. And again, the church in America, we need to be praying, but we need to understand that we could be that innocent bystander on the ship that God is sending a storm to the United States. Because I tell you what, we may have been founded on Christian values, but we're going far away from it. Verse 12 says, then, after the 70 years, once I've worked on your character, once I've uprooted all this rebellion out of you, he says, then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. He says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all 
your heart. When you're desperate enough to love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Timeless principle. He says, I will hear you when I'm the most desperate thing in your life. And sad to say, that doesn't come out of comfort most of the time. He says, you will seek me when you seek me with all your heart. He says, I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and the places where I banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. And see, we need to believe and vote the word of God. Look at your party and where, what laws. I wasn't going to say this, but I am. We're going to Facebook jail. Who knows? A party is pushing for abortion. A party is pushing for same-sex marriage. A party is pushing for a lot of things that are, is not in the word of God. And I, you know what's the number one argument? Oh, yeah, but President Trump had an affair. Yes, he did. Bill Clinton had an affair. Most of those people in Washington are having affairs. Can I tell you what's the one difference? Please listen to this. He should not have had an affair. It was a sin. It was before he was in office, which doesn't even matter. But he is not trying to pass a law that is saying adultery is illegal. He is not trying to push that on you. We all sin and fall short of the glory of God. Do you hear me? You understand what I'm saying? He, he messed up, but he's not trying to make a law for his mess up that everybody else could sin. That's not what, that's not what they're pushing. Hopefully he repented, made it right with God. I do not condone it at all. But what is a party pushing? What is the party trying to bring into law that contradicts that goes directly against the word of God. It's your vote. I, just, I encourage you to vote whichever way you're going to. But realize there's consequences in everything you do. And if we want to live in an America that goes against the word of God, that takes God out of everything, that still wants to remove God, for more things. God says that's up to you. But you don't escape, escape the consequences. You're not going to... America cannot believe its way out of what it's behaving itself into. Amen? Let's stand to our feet. Now please, don't be mad at the messenger if you did not like the message. But I believe God's going to do great things. I'm believing that America wakes up and turns back to God. Father, we just come to you today. And Father, I just pray right now for our nation. 
Father, again, I just pray that our spiritual eyes could be opened, Father God, to the truths that are going on in this world. Father, I believe our nation is in a big spiritual battle right now, Father God. And we just pray, Father God, that eyes be open, Father God, that ears be open to the truth of the gospel, and that revival would break out across this land, and we will return, Father God, to being a true Christian nation. From the, the highest in charge to the lowest around, Father. I just pray that right now in Jesus' name. And if you've never accepted the Lord as your personal Savior, I want to give you that opportunity right now. That God loved us so much. He loved you. He loved me so much that he sent his only son to die on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. And what we do is receive the gift of salvation that Christ paid on the cross. See, there's nothing we could have done to earn it. No matter how good you live your life, how bad, you're, bad you live your life, God is still pursuing you to save each and every person. So if you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, I, I want everyone just to say this simple prayer and invite Christ into their heart. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today, and I believe you love me so much that you sent your son to die on the cross for the forgiveness of my sin. I repent of those things now and turn and go in the opposite direction. And I receive the gift of salvation that comes through your son. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. We love you. Trust God. Stay safe through the storm. Remember, things could be replaced. People can't. Amen. So God bless you. We love you.